Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Well, I want to welcome you this weekend to uh, our series, Uncommon. Uh, you know, being uncommon is, um, is not an easy thing to do because um, it takes a little bit of effort. But when you start to do the things that the kingdom of God has in store for you in an uncommon way, you begin to have uncommon results in life. If you have what is common, you have what everybody has. But when you begin to operate in the uncommon denominators of the kingdom of God, you begin to have what few people have. And that's really the heartbeat of Generation Church is, is that this is an uncommon thing that God is doing here. That God is, is growing us as a church and a ministry to take this city for the Lord. And so I want to welcome you today to the middle of this series, part number four, Uncommon. Can we welcome those joining us by video? So glad you guys have tuned in. We've talked about having uncommon honor. We've talked about uncommon excellence. We've talked about uncommon anointing. Today, I want to talk to you about uncommon, uncommon refreshing. Uh, you know, there's, there's something about the kingdom of God that refreshes the soul like nothing else. There's something that you get in the presence of the Lord that, that you can't get anywhere else on this planet. And, and there's a refreshment that comes from God that is uncommon. Uh, Melissa and I, we were out of town this week and uh, we came home and the AC in the townhouse that we're living in is, uh, is completely gone. Uh, the, the AC unit is actually older than Melissa. And, um, and, and so, um, you know, it's seven years old. And um, just joking. And so we come home, the thing is, is out. And so we called the landlord and we're like, hey, you know, we need you to come out and fix this. Well, you can't get the parts until Monday. And so I'm sweating and I'm, I'm trying to stay cool. I'm trying to stay focused yesterday for the Saturday night service. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, I, I need some refreshment. And as I was thinking about it and I'm sweating and, and I'm yelling at Melissa because I'm mad and, you know, and all the, you know, come on, act like you don't yell at people. Um, you probably fought on the way to church today. Don't lie. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I just, I need some refreshment of my own. And I was, I was kind of thinking through my message and just meditating on it. And, and I, I remembered about when I was a, a kid in high school, and I started to play football uh, and, uh, and there was summer practice. We, we did these things called two-a-days. You guys ever heard of that phrase, two-a-days? That means you practice in the morning and then you come back and practice at night in the August uh, sun and, and heat. And, and one of the things that we did growing up playing football is after the morning practice, we would go find some place to get refreshed. We would try to, to find a, a river or a creek or a lake or some place to go, and uh, we got in trouble a lot, and, and we um, you know, threw people off of cliffs and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And it, there was one place, though, that was the pinnacle. It was the zenith of refreshment. It's called the Blue Hole. And uh, this place is the, is the place where legends are made. Folklore has, has emanated from this thing called the Blue Hole. As a matter of fact, the state of Tennessee has officially named the Blue Hole and put up street signs so you can get there. But when I was a kid, it was a treasure hidden deep in the mountains that nobody knew about. And, and what the Blue Hole was is it was a, a, a big creek that was all of the snow melt that seeped down into the mountain, and it took it months to make its way back up and out. And it had worn this place out in the side of the mountain. There was an upper falls and a, a cavern, and then there was a lower falls about 20 or 25 feet down. And where those falls had rushed all winter long, it had opened up this big circle 
of water. It was deep blue. It was ice cold. And, uh, you know, as, as a young guy in high school, we, we had all of our legends that the thing had no bottom to it. Like you couldn't reach the bottom of the blue hole and, and all of those kind of things. But after practice, after our first practice in the morning, we would all go and, and jump 25 feet off of the top of this waterfall down in the blue hole. And um, it, it was refreshment like you can't imagine. It was ice cold water, it's hot, it's August, and as soon as you hit that cold, cold water, every square inch of your body just tingled. You got out of that water and you could barely catch your breath, and you scurried right up the mountain and you did it all over again. It was refreshment. But you know what I realized? That, that type of refreshment, it's just common. Anybody can go jump in, in a, a blue hole of water. Anybody can go get in a lake and anybody can, can have refreshment on the external. But to get refreshment on the internal, that's an uncommon thing. That's something that you can't get from a body of water or a glass of tea or, or any of those kind of things. The refreshment that's uncommon to us has to originate from God. It has to originate from his presence, and I want to talk to you today about how to get that refreshment operating on the inside of you, and then also how to get that refreshment out to other people. This is the heartbeat of Generation Church. We are an oasis to the city. We are a place of refreshment. For the past six years, people have come here, and they have been refreshed in their souls. And as we continue to grow and we move into this new facility, we have to continue to expand our uncommon refreshment to the people that God brings to Generation Church. What brought us this far is not enough to take us where we're supposed to go. We have to increase what God has given us and bring refreshment to the souls of people all around us. Common refreshing fills the physical, but uncommon refreshing, it saturates the soul. And that's what people are looking for. They're looking for something that, that soothes their soul. God, he, he gives us the how-to, how to get refreshed in our soul. Paul was writing about it in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Paul begins to write about the, the most refreshing time of his life. I want to give you a little bit of context here because the one story of the blue hole is a common refreshment. What Paul is talking about is uncommon. This is our instruction for life, how to take what God has for us to the next level. See, Paul is in his last imprisonment. He's in a dungeon. He's at the bottom. He is imprisoned by Nero, who was the worst of the worst in persecuting Christians. And here Paul, on his second imprisonment, finds himself down in this dungeon. It's cold. It's wet. It's disease-ridden. And as Paul begins to write in 2 Timothy, he begins to talk about how everyone has left him. All the people that looked up to Paul, all, all the people who loved Paul, all the people who helped him on his ministry and, and missionary journeys, he finds himself in the bottom of a pit, in the place of his life where he needed the refreshment of God the most. And nobody was around except for one person. He says this in verse 15 of 2 Timothy. He says, you know that all those in Asia, they have turned away from me among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Wouldn't you hate to be called out by Paul in the Bible for like generations? Like these two idiots, these are the ones that I'm gonna call out by name. That would just be the worst of the worst. So Phygelus and Hermogenes, I hate it for you. 
verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, not Onesimus, who was from Philemon, but Onesiphorus, a different guy. Uh, If you're looking for baby names, that's a great one. (laughs) The household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out, and he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. Verse 18, and the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy in the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Uncommon, refreshing, it saturates the soul. Paul is at the end of his life. Everybody has deserted him. He he was writing his last letter to Timothy. And there's one person that he begins to write about. It's the only place that he writes about him. Who is this man, Onesiphorus? Nobody ever heard of this guy. When Mark and Titus and all of the other guys, Demetrius, all of these other guys, they had abandoned him. There was one person who in an uncommon way refreshed Paul. And I believe that is part of the gospel message for us. It's, It's the mandate of being a child of God is that we have a mandate on us to refresh other people. That we have this water of life on the inside of us that's a well that springs up that refreshes us. But we also have a river of water on the inside of us that's supposed to flow. And, And while we get refreshed, we're also supposed to refresh others. Think about Paul, how lonely he was. And I want to unpack this little passage of scripture because I think what Paul felt is really the key to how we refresh others. Because these things stuck out to him. These were the things that refreshed him. And I think if we begin to implement those in our lives, we'll begin to refresh others in an uncommon way. So Paul says this. He says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me. I I get this picture of of this man, Onesiphorus, that, that he's making his way into Rome. He's having to battle through the guards. He's having to do all that he can do to get to Paul, who's in the bottom of a dungeon. And he often did that. It wasn't like, hey, I tried, but, you know, Paul was busy. Or, hey, I tried. They they wouldn't let me in the prison. Or, or you know, I thought about it. I thought it might be a good idea to, to try to reach out to Paul. But, you know, it was just too much. He often refreshed Paul, meaning that he made his way from Ephesus where he lived, all the way to Rome, and he was consistent. If you're following along in your fill-ins, consistent belonging creates refreshment. Consistent belonging creates refreshment. See, what what Onesiphorus was doing is he was taking a man who was in the loneliest part of his life, who needed the refreshment of God the most, and he was creating a place of belonging. He was was creating this opportunity for Paul to have interaction with a brother in the Lord. Everyone else had left him. No one else had sought Paul out but this one man. And it was refreshing to Paul. Now think about your own life. Think about how refreshing it is when you belong somewhere. When you have a tribe that you follow, how refreshing it is to know that there are people who, who love you, who are there for you when you have to move. How many of you guys hate to move? I mean, I really believe like the devil is behind moving. <laughs> I hate to move. I, I love the new place, but I don't want to move the stuff. You know that you belong when people help you move. 
And there's something about that that you know you can count on those people that you belong to a people that care about you, that, that push through the hard parts of life to belong to you and, and you to belong to them. And, and Paul was experiencing this, this belonging. As we belong, we create places for belonging. So you see, the greater degree that you belong here and connect here, the d- greater degree you're going to help other people belong. And you get refreshed by that. And you provide opportunities for other people to refresh. Now, here's the pattern in in American church today. And it's a sad story, but American church has kind of become just a social club. We just come in and we just do our thing on the weekend and we don't see anybody else until the next weekend. Well, that's not what the early church was. And that's not what the gathering, the ecclesia of the saints is supposed to be about. You are family. Hanging out in each other's homes. Eating each other's food going to baseball games together, going to the movies together. And and the modern day church has missed that. We hang out and drink coffee on the weekends, but we're missing that family interaction, that belonging that happens week to week. And many of us are tired. Many of us are unrefreshed in our own souls. And the key to that is to belong somewhere. If you want refreshment on the inside of you, you've got to belong to some people. When I was playing football, there was something about that team of people that I belonged to, that I knew that they had my back and I had their back. And we hung out together and we refreshed each other and we went to the blue hole together and and we did all of those kind of things and we were tight. We knew everything about everyone on the team. And the greater degree that we get to that, that level of belonging, the greater degree of efficacy we're gonna have in reaching this city for the Lord. We create spaces for people to belong. Paul wrote this in Romans. He said in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 32, he said that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and that I would be refreshed together with you. When we hang out together, we get refreshed. The next thing that Paul wrote about, verse 16 of 2 Timothy 1, he said that, Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chain. He was not ashamed of my chain. Think about when someone stood up for you. How that felt, that how, how refreshing it was when someone stood up and said, hey, what are you doing to them? You don't have the right to do that. And you knew that that person had your back in that moment. I mean, it felt like a big hug. I remember playing football when you first came to, to the team and, and somebody in the hallway was trying to pick on you or you were trying to get in a fight or something like that. I remember I was standing in the hallway and, and I was about to get into it with one guy and, and there was a couple of guys from my team that came up and they, they got between me and the guy and they said, hey, you mess with him, you mess with us. I remember thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. I was like, dude, I love you. <laughs> There was something so refreshing about that person that was willing to take a risk. And this is what Onesiphorus did for for Paul is is he took a risk. He didn't care about the chains that Paul was in. He was unashamed of the situation. And you got to understand the seriousness of where Paul was. He was imprisoned by the worst persecutor of Christians ever. The fiery reign of Nero. He was killing Christians everywhere. It was illegal to be a Christian. He was decapitating them and placing their heads on spikes around the city, tarring and feathering Christians and murdering them in the streets. And he had imprisoned Paul. And here's this one guy when everyone had left, he took a risk. He didn't care 
about the situation because he knew that Paul needed refreshment. He took a risk. Sometimes it's taking the risk of ridicule that releases refreshment to people. Taking the risk of ridicule, the the risk of what people would say, the risk of what might happen to you, that God looks at that and he smiles upon our action. And God looks at that and he says, wow, they're taking a risk to refresh others. And God says, let me refresh you. We get our eyes off of ourselves for just a minute and we get our eyes on God's children and the the people who are disconnected from him. You got to know that that pulls on the heartstrings of our father. I mean, he says repeatedly through the gospels that, that you leave the 99 to go get the one. There's something about God when we leave all of the other things that are happening in life to go for that one person that it refreshes the soul and it gets God's attention. It's uncommon refreshment. See, you can have common refreshment. You can drink your Diet Coke all day long. Aspartame up to here. That's common refreshment. But when you begin to take steps outside of your comfort zone into the uncomfortable parts of life, you begin to step into God's will and God's purpose and God's plan. You begin to step into something that is uncommon. And it is the uncommon denominators of life that produce in us the uncommon fruit, the uncommon harvest, the uncommon blessings of our own life. I love this, 1 Samuel 16 and 23. David was one of those uncommon refreshers. Verse 23, it says, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and would play it with his hand, and Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. David was was taking a chance. He was risking his life. He was risking ridicule for a, a king that was throwing javelins and spears at him, who chased him for 10 years, who took David's wife and said, here, you marry this guy now. But David was the one who saw past all of the circumstances of life, and he saw the eternal opportunity to refresh someone. He played his harp, and it refreshed Saul. We got to take those risks for people. You know, it's not easy to refresh homeless people. It's not easy to refresh those who are addicted to substances that we think are never going to change. It's it's not easy to refresh the marriage that, that the spouses can't seem to get along and there's never seemingly any progress. It's not easy to refresh the student who's continually cutting themselves because they're mentally so distraught and hurt in life. It's not easy to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with somebody. But if we're not willing to walk through that valley, we're never going to get them to the mountaintop. It's not easy to do that. It's uncommon. But it is those uncommon things that create a culture and a church that takes a city for the Lord. Creates a movement. When we stand up for people unhindered, we release refreshment. Verse 17 Paul says, But when Onesiphorus arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously. I get this picture of, here's this man, everybody else has left, Onesiphorus comes and and he sought Paul out very zealously. Like he didn't just walk into the city and was like, hey, you guys know where Paul's in prison? Yeah, 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 you can't get to him. And then he leaves. That's not the picture. Hey, I I need to get to Paul. I can just hear the conversation. Well, you're never going to make it to Paul. Oh, shut up. I'm going over here. Right? 
Where where do I find Paul? How do I get to him? Well, he's imprisoned in in Nero's dungeon. You're never going to get there. I don't want to talk to you. Where's Paul? And I I just see him seeking Paul out. Like he's not just trying to make an effort. He's going beyond that. He's not just walking the first mile. He's running the second mile. And I think about that because Paul writes that it was his seeking of him that was so refreshing that somebody cared enough. You know, we know that people, they go to the hospital, they have babies, they, they have surgery, uh, people need to move, they, you know, houses get foreclosed upon, all, all these things happen and it's easy to set back as people and say, yeah, it'll all work itself out. That doesn't refresh anybody, but, but when we see our brothers and sisters in need somewhere, or we see someone who's disconnected from the Lord in need somewhere, that brings refreshment. It's, it's called dependability. See, dependability is refreshing to the soul. When somebody will will seek out an opportunity to refresh another person that you can just count on them. Think about in your own life when, when someone was so dependable. It's just like a big hug. Like you just know you can count on that person. You just know that, that even though you're not able to get where you need to go, that somebody is going to follow through. Somebody is going to carry that thing forward for you. This weekend on Saturday morning, I, I came in the foyer and, and uh, I walk in and I hear something under the sink in the cafe and it's Douglas Irvine under there. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he bangs his head on the pipes and, and, and he's in there fixing the, the plumbing in the cafe because the plumbing had, had broken. And I thought, man, how dependable is this guy? Can we just encourage Douglas? Listen to this. He's never been paid $1 from this church. He's never asked for $1 from this church. He's never asked anybody to do anything for him, but yet he is dependable as they come. And it is so refreshing to me because I'm thinking, man, I see all the text messages come through while we're out of town this week. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm going to have to fix the plumbing. So I come in to fix the plumbing and who do I find? Doug Irvine under the counter fixing the plumbing. And I felt so safe and secure and I felt so refreshed. I was like, man, this is amazing. Dependability is refreshing to people. Listen, this city is depending on you. This city is depending on you to love them. This city is depending on you to invite them into the presence of God on a weekend. This city is in, they're depending on you to invite them to life groups and and depending on you to pray for them. Not just to watch their lives fall apart. They're depending on us. We are an oasis to this city to these people. This is our assignment, not my assignment. It's our assignment, yours and mine. It takes effort. Proverbs 25 and 13, it says, like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger, a dependable messenger to those who send them. For he refreshes the soul of his masters. We refresh the soul of people around us. That's uncommon. People don't get that in normal everyday life. And sadly, people don't even get that in a lot of churches. And I'm not mad at anybody, but I do want to inspire you. Let's go beyond. Let's let's go beyond what everybody else does. Anybody can be a mediocre church. Anybody can be a mediocre gathering of people. but, but, But let's make our eternity count. Let's number our days and let's make an impact in this city that nobody's seen before. 
Let's refresh the people of South Florida. Verse 17, Paul says this. It says, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and he found me. He found me. And as I was thinking about that and, and praying about that, I'm really trying to unpack, what is Paul saying by that? I mean, I, I get it. Like, like it really was refreshing to Paul that, that Onesiphorus came and, and sought him out and was zealous to find him and, and refreshed him often. He was consistent in it. He, he, he faced ridicule. He didn't care about that. I get all of that part. But, but what was Paul saying when he said, and he found me? Why was it that when he found Paul, was it refreshing? See, I believe that Onesiphorus knew that in the presence of multiple people, where two or more are gathered, is the presence of the Lord. And Onesiphorus knew that if he could just find Paul, that he could deliver something that Paul wasn't able to get on his own. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't love Paul and he wasn't there in the dungeon. I'm saying that there's a different level of, of a corporate gathering there's something that happens when two or more are gathered that you just don't get on your own. He found him. And to me, I believe that that, that little phrase there, he found him, those three little words, is the pinnacle of refreshing. It's the pinnacle of, of getting to a place where, where someone's soul is saturated with the refreshing of God. Because it is in that presence that we're refreshed. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, repent therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing can come in God's presence. That's what Paul was writing about when he said, on this for us, he found me. And he brought the presence of God to that dungeon. I can just get a picture of those two guys. I don't know what level of connection they had when Onesiphorus found him. I don't know if they would let him in. To the, I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. But whatever it was, it refreshed Paul at his core. And, and I believe it's a mandate to all of us as believers that, that we are mandated by Jesus himself to find people. And to help people find the presence of God. To help people come into something that they would not normally come into on their own. To invite them to worship services. As we build out this new auditorium, we're creating not only physical space, but we have to create some spiritual capacity. A place of refreshment for people's lives. To find them and to bring them in. To be uncommon in that. The Bible says in the book of John, Jesus was talking about this. He was talking about this water that's on the inside of our soul. John 4 and 14, he says that that water is a well. And it springs up, it bubbles up into everlasting life. And I get this picture from those scriptures that that is our internal refreshment. That our salvation refreshes us. And we get our common refreshment from whatever things we find in this life. But the things that satisfy our soul, they come from inside. But then Jesus takes it a step further, just a couple of chapters later, and he's talking about that water on the inside of us again. Now, one, one part of that water is a well that bubbles up into everlasting life salvation, but the next part of that water, Jesus says, it is a river 
of living water that flows, it gushes. In the Greek, it literally means it is a torrent of water that gushes out of the heart of a person. One refreshes you, the other refreshes those around you. The Bible says that he who refreshes will himself also be refreshed. I know a lot of us feel like we need some refreshment in our own lives. I know from time to time I feel that way. I feel like I have a lot going on. I'm pastoring a church, leading the church, preaching all the messages on the weekend, building a building over here. I feel sometimes like I need some refreshment. And I know, I know what that feels like. But I also know this, that the way I get my refreshment is when I draw on that water and then I refresh other people. I don't know why the kingdom of God is that way, but it is contrary to how we think as people. If you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. If you want to receive, you have to give. If you want to be refreshed, you have to be intent like Onesiphorus to refresh other people. And for many of you sitting here today, your key to your own refreshment in life is to find someone else to refresh them often, not just once, not just the easy opportunities, but to refresh them often, to disregard the circumstances and not care about the chains that have bound them, to take the risk to refresh their lives, to seek them out, to be diligent to do that. To, to what I get from that is to, to look for special opportunities to invest in someone's life. And then to bring the presence of God to that person. To refresh their soul is the key to getting your own soul refreshed in life. As I call the rest of the band up, I want you to close your eyes. I want you just to to allow the presence of the Lord to begin to refresh you this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with. I, I don't know what circumstances are happening in your world today. But I do know the key to your refreshment is to reach out and take hold of his hand. And to let him work through you to refresh somebody else. So you're here this weekend and you say, Pastor Ben, I I need refreshment in my soul. I know I do. I've been running on empty for, for some time now. I need God to work in my life. I don't know how much further I can continue in the direction that I'm going. I'm I'm running on empty. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you to the front. I just just want to pray for you. Lift it up nice and high one last time. Yeah, a lot of hands. Secondly, you're here this morning and and God has been tugging on your heart as I've been delivering this message to you today. Something inside of you is starting to turn. The the switch is being flipped and, and in your heart, you feel the drawing of the Lord to begin to refresh others. You know that inside of you is, is a river of living water that, that you know can, can, can help other people, can refresh other people. And for whatever reason, you have not opened the gate of your heart to them.
And God is drawing you to do that. You know, God is drawing you to be a refresher of other people. If that's you, would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah, a lot of hands. You can put your hands down. With your eyes closed, I want to sing this song, Your Presence is Heaven. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to refresh us this morning, to speak to our hearts, to give us vision and purpose and direction. So I want to invite you, as the Lord moves on your heart, as you feel refreshed, would you stand one at a time? And let's just give God our best this morning as we sing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you refresh us this morning, God. Lord, that you would fill us to overflowing today so that we could go out and change the city for your name and for your glory, God. Father, I pray that as we begin to take the next steps as a church, as we continue to move in all the things that you have in store for us, God, that we would reach the people that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you do something amazing in the next season of Generation Church in our lives, in these people, God, and in this city. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is heaven. That in your presence, where your presence is found, is refreshing. May we stay, may we abide in your presence, God. If you're here this morning, you do not have a relationship with the Lord. You need the refreshment of the 
of the well of water that I talked about, that refreshment of the water inside your soul that, that springs up into everlasting life. That you, as we sang about this morning, you would spend eternity with God. You're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with him and you know it on the inside. I don't know what has separated you. I don't know what has, has kept you from God. None of those things matter this morning. What matters is God is drawing you. If you're having that internal question, that internal struggle that says, oh, I want to know, but I want to know, but are you real, God? If that's you, I want to pray for you. You need a relationship with God today. With everybody's eyes closed, would you just look up at me? Make eye contact with me this morning. I'm not going to draw you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you right where you are. You do not have a relationship with the Lord today, and he's drawing you. Thank you so much. anyone else maybe you're here this morning and your relationship with God has veered off course and today you feel like God is drawing you back to him you want to recommit your life to God if that's you would you look up at me just make eye contact with me thank you so much The Bible says this, that if you can say with your words what's happening on the inside of your heart, you can make that confession of faith. You can believe that God raised Jesus from the dead for you. If you can say that, that something supernatural happens in your life, it, it's what the Bible says, you become born again, born into a new life. And so I want to take just a minute, I want to lead you in a prayer and help you say with your own words what's happening on the inside of your heart. Those of you watching by video this morning, as God is tugging on your heart, pray this prayer and believe it with all of your heart. Let's say this together nice and loud. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Forgive me for my mistakes. Refresh me with your salvation. And then fill me with your spirit so I can refresh others. Give me a purpose, God. Give me a destiny. And help me to live out all my days in service of you. Jesus' name. Amen. Can we welcome all of our brothers and sisters into the kingdom? So proud of you.